Welcome to the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast, featuring Ted Ings and his distinguished guests. Each week, you'll gain valuable insights to level up your game in retail automotive's fixed operations. This episode is brought to you by BG Products, partners beyond products. And now, here's Ted Ings. There is something magical about starting your day with a posture of being thankful. I believe it sets the tone for service to others in whatever capacity uh, that you work in. Uh, One of the people who is always gracious for every connection and every opportunity is Ali Rita of Les Stanford Chevrolet Cadillac in Dearborn, Michigan. He is the number one automotive salesperson in the world and holds the record with 1,582 vehicles sold in 2017. Uh, he first visited with us here at the Fixed Ops Roundtable last year, and we are humbled to have him back. Ali, welcome to the Fixed Ops Roundtable. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here again. I appreciate the uh, the, the warm welcome. I am so excited to hear your story today because after hearing what Ted just said about over 1,500 cars sold in one year. Now, I know some amazing salespeople around the nation, yeah. but I have yet to meet somebody of that capacity. And I just have to ask you, how is that possible? Well, you know, of course, there's a secret handshake and, and I can't show everybody on here, of course, right? There's a secret sauce out there somewhere. Uh, you know, uh, thanks, Kara. I mean, it's, it, you know, there's there's one first thing is there's no substitution for work. Right. We all know that. So you got to put in the work and, you know, uh, it, it's just community based. It's relationships. It's it's building one person at a time. And it was one sale at a time. It wasn't, you know, anything that was easy, but it, it took some time. But, you know, I, I got to give credit to my community because that's that's really ultimately what helped us get to that uh, that achievement. Amazing numbers. And, um, you know, uh, take us back a little bit because uh, you were a great salesperson, but something propelled you uh, about 11 or 12 years back and took you to another yeah. level entirely. Uh, tell us that story, if you don't mind. Yeah. So so in 2010, uh, the dealership that I worked at was a Chevy dealership that, that actually was a wind down dealer that GM has as uh, closing was closing. And, you know, so I had to start over and I, and, you know, I, I thought about different, you know, dealerships. I thought about different, you know, um, uh, uh, careers. And then I said, you know what, my heart and passion was with Chevrolet. So I ended up, uh, you know, signing on with uh, Les Stanford Chevrolet. And then I gained Cadillac at the time as well. And, you know, that was in, that was in mid 2010. And at that time, you know, I kind of had to start over, right? Because, you know, a lot of things were going on. We had the 07, 08 recession. And, you know, I said, you know, I wanted to to do things a little bit differently. And, you know, I wanted to get a little bit more involved in the community. And I was, but I don't think to the point that, you know, I really knew that I, that I should be. And the life-changing moment was uh, when I went to a seminar that uh, I was kind of forced to go to, Ted. You know, I, you know, I, I came into that dealership doing 25, 30 a month, and I, I thought I was pretty busy, and I was doing really good things, and I was happy with where my career was. You know, I, I didn't think that there was that much more to grow. And I had, you know, 40-car month. I'd have a 30-car month. It was good. And uh, thankfully, my manager at the time, Scott Montgomery, had, uh, had kind of forced me to go to this seminar and, you know, it's not like it was anything bad. It, it was at the dealership, 
So I was like, no, I, I got three deliveries. I don't have time for that. I can't go to that boss. I, you know, what is he going to teach me? I don't, I don't even know who this person is. I've never heard of him before. And he's like, no, no, you're going. He goes, you're not allowed to sell another car and you're going. So, you know, uh, thankfully that's one of the car gods that that's been in my life and, uh, you know, pushed me to go to that seminar. And, you know, I, I went there and, you know, immediately, you know, I, I'm, I'm like, you know, drawn to this guy uh, named Damien Boudreaux who's a, an, an amazing trainer, a coach, uh, and just, just an outstanding person. And, you know, I meet him for the first time and he goes into his, you know, talking about relationship selling. Right. And at that time, I got to say in 2010, I don't think too many people were talking about relationship selling yet. Nobody really knew what that was. It can, it kind of was new. And I, I just related to him and I was, you know, like, wow, this guy's speaking to me. Right. Cause I'm already doing this. I'm in the community. I'm doing this stuff. And, He's really talking about things that I was doing, but had no idea that it was an actual thing, right? I just thought, okay, this is just my, this is my life, but, but he's explaining to, to a T and he's, he started talking about one of his students that was, you know, selling 60 cars a month. And, and, and I'm like, I thought I was doing good and I'm at 30 and the industry always told us 30s elite, right? Anywhere you go, industry says 30s elite, you're one there, yeah. right? That was it. That was the ceiling that they had set. The reason they set that ceiling, it was just based on transition transactional sales, saying that it takes two, three hours per delivery. You got eight to 10 hours per day. It allows you to do two or three a day. You're working 20 days a week. I mean, that's that's just the numbers. Well, when you talk about relationship type selling, those numbers are thrown out, right? Everything completely changes because it's not two to three hours of sale. It's maybe 10 to 15 minutes of sale. It's handling three or four people at one time. So he starts talking about this guy, Greg, doing 60 cars. And I'm like, well, if he's doing 60. I don't know why I'm not doing 60. And what do I need to do to get there? After the seminar, I pulled him, pulled him to the side. And I'm like, is all that stuff you were saying true? Is, is this guy really doing 60? He's like, I'll call him on the phone right now if you want. I'm like, no, no, I, I believe you. I said, but if he's doing 60, I think I could do 60. And, and that's pretty much kind of where our relationship started. I don't know that I ever believed that I can achieve that prior to, to, talking to this guy and him having me write it down and having me, you know, believe that now it was possible. And Ted crazy. I, I kid you not. I think it was maybe like three or four months later, I hit 60 and you know, I, I'm like, I, I couldn't believe it. I never thought that I can do that. And, and, you know, I called him at the time and I'm like, Damon, Damon, you're not going to believe this, but I hit 60. I did. It. I hit 60. And he's like, he's like, okay, well, what's your next number? And I'm like, I'm like, no, no, I hit 60. I did it. I hit 60. I, I'm, I'm like so stoked. I'm so happy, right? I'm hit 60. He's like, well, what's your next number? And I'm like, I, I'm going to call you back. I'm going to call my mom. I think she probably wants to hear this, you know? I said, I'm going to call somebody that's going to be like happy for me. And, and, and that's where our relationship kind of started. And, and he pushed me to the next level. He made me believe in things that I never thought were possible, but they were possible. And it's just a, mind, a mindset shift that ultimately changed my life. And you said 60 was that what you accomplished that next plateau, but you didn't stop there. Um, you know, what was the next one after that? And the next one after that? So, so then, then he says, what's your next number? So he forced it out of me. And I said, I, I, I have room. I could do 72. And I says, okay, I think if you could do 12 more, you can get to 72. And, and, you know, I, I not long after that, I hit 72 and I hit 70 something at the time. And then I, and I called him again. I'm like, I did it. I did it. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like I called my, we called it the magic phone call after a while. Cause I'd call him and I tell him I hit this number that we had set. And, and sure enough, what's your next number? 
And I'm like, no, I did it. I, I don't know anybody doing 70. I did it. I, I hit 70. And he says, he said, well, what's your next number? I'm like, I think I could do 90. I said, that would be pretty cool. And I think I have enough time. And, and, and Ted, throughout this process, you know, things shift, right? Your process shifts, you know, your mindset shifts, your business changes. So you have to be aware of your surroundings. And, and that's the one thing that Damien did for me the most is he made me aware of all my surroundings. He made me aware of when something felt right, when something felt wrong. He, he just refined my process and made me think about it. He didn't he didn't give me the secret handshake. He didn't give me word tracks. It was none of that stuff. It was literally just making me a better person and a more rounded, aware person that ultimately made me a better salesperson. And and that's where our relationship kind of went from 90. Then then I hit 100. The first time I made 100 was pretty crazy. Uh, then, then, you know, 120, then 140, then 150. And then, you know, um, you know, my record is, is 209. That that was pretty crazy. I mean, that was December of 18, I believe it was, uh, uh, 209. I did 202 before that. I hit a couple hundred, a couple times. So, but it's it's just the power of relationship selling. It just blows my mind. <laughs> it, it's it's crazy when you think about it because people are always like, well, how do you get to those numbers? And and you can't do it with the mindset of, of a transactional sale. You can't do it alone. You can't do it uh, without community. You can't do it without building relationships. And, you know, that would, that's been the biggest key to my career is, is building on these relationships and becoming, you know, the mayor of your town and becoming the person, the go-to person for everything, not just car sales. I mean, everything, right? And, yeah. and that's, that's kind of where my career took off. Uh, once I shifted that, that whole thought process of what this business was, was, uh, was all about. And, and it quickly turned into, okay, this is a people business. I'm, this is for my community. I'm in the service industry. And, you know, once you kind of understand and respect that, then, then things just kind of fall into place. Years ago, I learned, um, because I've been in the car business for many years as well, but I learned that Detroit was a little bit of a different market uh, because um, dealers there, maybe not now, but some time ago, were only open Monday through Friday, okay, the domestics at least, and they were only open, I think, one or two evenings a week, and they were not open on Saturdays or Sundays, and as a result, a lot of great salespeople came out of Detroit, Ali, because, yeah. you know, there was really no reason to leave, right? Right. Um, and then, of course, little by little, I know some of the imports started opening on Saturdays. Yep. You know, describe what is that marketplace like today? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're right because you would think a lot of people say, "Oh, you were you were 12 hour days, seven days a week, and you're killing yourself, and you're never going to last, and it's not sustainable." Well, I work five days a week, so our dealership is literally closed on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, there are dealerships now that are open on Saturday. There's no dealership open on Sunday in Michigan, uh, but but on Saturday they are open, and uh, we just we just said it, it wasn't worth it. We the dealership, the ownership, wanted to uh, you know give people some time with their families and say we, we can accomplish what we need to in five days uh, rather than six, then we're good, right? We, we we want that family time and not to burn people out. So you know I work, you know I I usually get in early, of course, you know maybe an hour hour and a half early just to get some stuff done in the morning, and then we close at six on three days a week, and we close at eight on two days a week, and and that's pretty much the, the schedule. So you might be talking. 50 hours a week. I mean, really not bad at all. And you broke the record that was held by uh, for 44 years by Joe Girard. Yeah. And I, I remember meeting him many, many years ago, but you shattered that record, Ali. Yeah. You know, you know, I, it's not something that you can actually set out to try to break. 
it's very difficult to break that record and, and, and rightfully so why it stood for 44 years. It's a very difficult record to break. And that that year was was a special year. I mean, we had, a lot of things had to fall into place. And, you know, I started out that January with 160 cars uh, for January, then February 130, then March, I think it was 140. And it, it literally took 12 consecutive record-breaking months uh, to get to that point. And anything could have thrown a wrench in there, right? Any, I mean, we could have had a bad economy, could have a car shortage, we could have a chip shortage, you could have, I mean, there's a lot of things. The banks could have said we're not lending. I mean, there's a lot of things that had to play factor. So the, the, the universe had to align to help me get to that point. Uh, you know, community had to help me get to that point. But it wasn't until I, I think somewhere around June that I actually said, well, if things continue, I can probably get to that number. And it literally wasn't until June or July that I actually started thinking about it because one bad month and and that's it. I mean, you can't attain that. So that's why it stood for so long. It's such a such a uh, tough record to break. And I think, you know, at that time around, um, I think around August or September, I says, wow, I, I really, if, if I stay focused and get to that point, this is this would be really cool to kind of get there. And then I had two solid strong months in a row, October, November. And, you know, th those kind of helped me out. And I actually ended up, I think, doing it at the first week of December, I think is when, when I broke it. And you have to, you know, you have an amazing story here and you talk about your community a lot. But tell us a little bit about um, your family there at the dealership. Because you'd have to have, you know, a strong, you know, family base inside of your dealership to help you achieve those goals. You've got to have great managers, people, you know, lending a hand when you need it. Yeah. Are they all there for you every every single month? Yeah. I mean, it, it became a partnership pretty, pretty early on. Right. So without my manager, Scott Montgomery, uh, thinking, saying that, you know, hey, you can get better, you can do better without them giving me the freedom to grow. Um, yeah, the dealership plays a huge part of it. The ownership plays a, an enormous part of it because they looked at it like a partnership. They're like, okay, you know, we see where you're going and we're here as a partnership to help you get there. So there's a lot of things that had to fall into place. Uh, Kira, without them on board, then, then none of that is possible. So it's very important for managers to understand that as a salesperson, we need that guidance. We need them to help us get and grow, get to the point that we want to and, and grow within the community. We need that love and support from them because without that, I mean, you know, it, it's very difficult to get it. So there's there's a lot of trial and error. You know, we said, okay, well, let's try this. If it doesn't work out, we'll, we'll try this. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate that, you know, they were, they were there for me to help me grow. Um, you know, I talk a lot about car gods, you know, and I always like, you know, there, there's car gods in, in my career that helped me get to the point that I'm at today. And, you know, when I say car gods, these are real people, right? These are real angels that were in my life that said, all right, here's what you should do. There's early on in my career, I was able to mentor a guy that was doing phenomenal, right? He took the time out to mentor me. And, you know, there was times I wanted to leave the industry and I had you know, managers that said, no, 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 you shouldn't leave in 2008. No, stick with it. You're, you're going to be, you're going to be good. You know? Um, so there's, there's people in place throughout your, your life, whether it be dealership or family life. Um, you know, you have to be aware of these people that are around you and surround yourself by them because ultimately you can't do it alone. You know, you're not expected to, and it's, it's, it's a uh, very, very fortunate. I've been, um, uh, around those people my entire career. Wow. You are involved now with this Pinnacle Training Center, and I, I believe we have you coming up uh, with uh, Jonathan Dawson and John Fairchild and Anthony yeah. on the show a little later. But 
Ali, tell us why. I mean, you're already number one in the world. Why why give back and uh, become involved with training and bringing up, you know, the next, um, you know, layer, if you will, of people be- uh, below us? Yeah, I mean, it's just for that, right? It's, it's that same reason. It's just giving back. It's being able to give back to an industry that's been so good to me, right? It's it's at the end of the day, you know, yeah, we can sell a lot of cars, but, but how am I helping somebody else uh, with their family, right? What am I doing for the industry? I, I, I would love to leave this industry uh, better than I found it. Same with Jonathan, same, same with Frank Crenitti. Uh, we, we always say that, hey, people think we're in competition with each other. We're not. We're, this, in an industry that everybody thinks we're always in competition, we're really not in competition with anybody but ourselves. There is way more than enough business to, to go around to everybody. And, you know, why not help somebody else get to their goals? Why not help, help somebody else break that record that I set? I mean, how cool would that be that someday somebody breaks a record and, and I had a hand in that? I mean, how amazing would that be? But we're, we're projecting our, our industry forward by doing that, right? I don't know any, any industry that has more loving and caring people than the car industry, right? People always, we have this bad stigma, but now you're looking at it these days, it's not like that anymore. We're loving, we're caring, we, we, we donate to our community, we give time, uh, we love each other. And, and those are the type of things that we're trying to, to set forward with, with Pinnacle. And, you know, we're, we're, I think we're going to achieve that. And I think ultimately we will leave this industry better than we found it. What advice, because we have a lot of people watching us today, you know, both in the management and sales and on the service and parts side too. Um, we're dealing with a lot of things right now. Okay. Uh, as, as you have been as well, yeah. you know, inventory is, is one of them. Um, you know, what advice do you have for the automotive professionals who are watching right now and, uh, you know, want to learn more from you? You know, what advice do you have looking out, you know, here we are in the middle of May into the, the rest of 22. What do I need to be doing moving forward? Yeah. I mean, you always got to stay ahead of the curve, right? You always got to find find a better way. There's always a better way of doing something. There's always going to be a faster, more competitive, more efficient way of doing things. So, you know, educating yourself, being on shows like here, Ted, I mean, think about it. This is educating somebody to get to that next level. And, you know, you have to stay sharp, right? You have to continue to educate yourself. And, you know, training is is, is very pivotal for us. And, and that's the way that, I'm, that I decided to give back. Because people reach out to me all the time and say, you know, hey, what can I do to, to get better? Well, I don't really, you know, you can't answer that in, in a two-minute question, right? People reach out to me from all over the country. Hey, what's your secret? What's your secret sauce? And what are you doing? How do you help me get to this point? Well, you know, one, I tell them, you know, educate yourself right? Get, get out and see who's doing it better. We now have a blueprint that we're willing to share, right? Most of the time, it was so competitive. A top salesperson never wanted to tell anybody what he's doing. He's like, no, no, I, I figured this out. Let me keep it to myself. Well, Frank, John, and myself, are, are we have the blueprint. We want to put it out there. So it's available. If, if you're not going to go out there and get it, then you know nobody's going to do it for you. We talked about there's no substitution for work, and there isn't. So you know, my advice is to stay ahead of the curve, Get yourself out there, figure out a way, uh, you know, for even with inventory control, we had a lot of inventory problems. What did we do? We went out and bought cars. We figured out a way of how do we get these vehicles? How do we get them ahead of everybody else? How do how do we stay ahead of this curve? And in our dealership, we did that, man. We came out of COVID right when we opened back up and we're generally number, you know, five or six uh, in our region. We were number one for months in a row because we were way ahead of everybody else. And we're continuing now today uh, with no inventory to continue to break records with, you know, everything that we're doing. And it, it's just because we're, we're willing to, 
to adapt. We're willing to uh, educate ourselves and, and become better. So, you know, don't ever stop learning. Great advice, Ali. Thank you so much. You got it. You got it, buddy. I want to ask you one thing, yeah. and I'm sure everybody else watching wants to know. You hit this goal. What's your next goal? Yeah, I mean, it, it's growth. My, 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 my New Year's resolution every year is growth. It's to sit down and figure out my business plan, to figure out ways of doing things, something better. And in, in my career now, um, you know, I've actually hired uh, two salespeople that work for me. And, you know, because I felt, okay, well, I, I, it took me 20 years or 15 years to get to where I'm at today. Uh, I have the blueprint. How could I pass this on? So I hired a salesman a couple years ago, and this was in my mind for a few years. And I says, you know, what if I hire a salesperson that works for me? And mind you, my numbers are my numbers. It has nothing to do with this other person. So I went to ownership and, and I said, you know, I want to hire a salesperson to work for me. They're like, you want to do what? They're like, you don't have time to do anything. What are you talking about? How are you going to do this and why you want to do this? And I says, well, I really feel like I can give somebody that one-on-one -on -one attention and get them to the point where I'm at. And they says, uh, well, why don't we just do that? You know, and I'm like, okay, well, why don't you? And why haven't you? I says, because, you know, you, you got 20 people and you got two managers. I said, this, I'm going to be one-on-one -on -one with this person and let's just see where it goes. And they said, okay. So I hired a salesperson to work for me. His name is Carlos. And he's never sold a car before. Uh, so I brought him on. It took me two years to find this person after that conversation because I was very selective on who I wanted and in, in, in what I was looking for. So, you know, I hired Carlos and, and uh, you know, I, I explained to the dealership that we're going to do this a little different and we're going to do 100% relationship-based business for Carlos. He's not going to cost the dealership a penny. He's not going to take a dealer-driven opportunity, not a phone call, not a sales up, nothing. I says, I'm going to start this from organically from the ground up. And we did just that. And we, we got him involved in the community and I got him everywhere. I, my, I got him on billboards. I got him on radio. I got him at events. I had the first year I had him the first car in a parade. Right. So, I mean, I was like, we were everywhere. And, you know, uh, today, uh, two years into it, Carlos is averaging 50 a month organically on just hundred percent relationship. So this year in January, I hired another uh, salesman. His name is Abe. Now that I got Carlos up and running, now, now I'm working on Abe. So ultimately, ultimately, Kara, I'm, I'm trying to build a team around me uh, where I can say, okay, well, I have, you know, five or six people that work around me and, you know, I can then maybe scale back a little bit and not do the, the grind. I can maybe just manage this small team of people. And it's, it's almost a dealership within a dealership, if you will. And, you yes. know, I, I can... So then I can maybe work three days a week. Maybe I can just promote the business. Uh, I'll be the face of, of, of this of this team. And then I'll, I'll let them kind of grow into uh, uh, each one of them individually, let them grow themselves. And I think that's my my goal now, you know, because people always say, well, why don't you just buy a dealership? Why don't you just get a dealership? Why? You know, that's always the question. But, you know, ultimately I have a dealership. I have a business. It's inside of another business. And I think this might be a lot better option for me at this point. And it's it's really given back, and and I'm I'm more proud of Carlos's achievements than than anything I've ever done, because I feel like you know I took this guy that never sold a car before, and now is doing fifty, and he and I'll tell you what he's probably at thirty percent of his full potential once I get going. So I mean he's not he's nowhere near where I'd like to have him, but work in progress. Amazing. Yeah, wow. pretty cool stuff. So the blueprint is there, right? Pinnacle is a big part of it. He's a Pinnacle member. Ali, we learned so much from you. We got to we got to come back and check back in. 
and uh, get a progress report on how uh, how they are coming along. <laughs> For sure. Anytime. I would love to. Okay. Ali Rita here today. Uh, we're very humbled to have him here. And Kara, um, uh, thank you as well. Uh, Ali Rita here today at the Fixed Ops Roundtable. <laughs> 